The following sermon is from the Westminster Pulpit, extending the worship ministry of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. We are a local congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format. from God's Word as we're continuing to study the Ten Commandments, first from Exodus 20 and then a supplementary passage from Isaiah 58. And as you're finding Exodus chapter 20, listen to this, words of the fourth commandment from the Lord through Moses. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This additional word, God speaking through his prophet Isaiah, the last part of Isaiah 58. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And this is God's word. May we seek to understand it for our blessing. Civil War General Thomas Stonewall Jackson was one of the great strategists of war that this country has ever produced. A very unusual man, quite eccentric in some ways, but a genius in a particular way, that of doing battle. Stonewall was a deep and sincere Christian, a Presbyterian elder, a man of prayer, and a man who sought to honor God's Sabbath, the Lord's Day. He had a curious way about that that I'm sure not everybody would agree with. It was not a problem to Stonewall Jackson to have to fight a battle on the Lord's Day. And he wasn't just making excuses when he would have told you that he viewed that as a work of necessity, a requirement to defend his cause, a work of necessity. However, Stonewall would not mail a letter on Friday or Saturday because he believed that in doing that, he would be causing postal employees to work on the Sabbath as the letter was in transit. Well, you can mark him down, I guess, as one person among many who seemed to have some odd ways, perhaps, of remembering the Lord's Sabbath. 
But the Scripture tells us this morning, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We, of course, follow the pattern of the New Testament church in which the Lord's Day, as we typically call it, is the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection of Christ. In my adult class I was teaching this morning, one person reminded us of the importance. We were talking about the resurrection, and he said how we need to remember the resurrection every Sunday, not just Easter. Well, one way we do it is the way in which the church has marked what we call the Sabbath, now the Lord's Day, the first day. I've preached on this fourth commandment quite a few times as your pastor here. It's actually, I don't say this at all boastfully, but just factually, I, I would be surprised probably if there are pastors in this community who have in 20 years more often spoken about the subject of the Lord's Day. It just seems like it's come up a lot. And yet, whenever I speak about it, I feel clearly that we're speaking into a culture that this entire subject has been obliterated as far as cultural observance is concerned, and to a distressing degree as well among those who are even the conservative Christians. Those who are my age or older can remember what were once called blue laws. Those of you who are younger don't know what a blue law is, I suppose. They were laws that forbade business or commerce from being open on Sunday. And you younger people, perhaps 40 or younger, can't even visualize because it was 1976 that this was overturned in Pennsylvania. You can't conceive of a Sunday when you could not go in a store to buy something. Maybe a few convenience stores, would, perhaps you could get milk or you could get gasoline, a few necessities, but generally speaking, businesses were closed by law. And as a result, we had a much quieter day, days when families were more together. The commercialism of the great industry of sports had not ramped itself up anywhere near the level that it has in our time. We're not arguing so much that a culturally observed Sabbath is the best thing or the right thing, but it certainly was easier for Christians to have some observation of the Lord's Day when the culture wasn't pulling against us. But those restraints have been bulldozed. They're gone. They're not coming back. And so we have the challenge as believers in Christ, if this indeed is something important for people saved by grace, if God wants us to walk in this way, as we believe he does with his commandments, the moral law, then we are going to have to be people who will deliberately, thoughtfully, and somewhat courageously be ready to set some different standards and seek to abide by them. And it's the spirit and the attitude that brings those standards into being that we want to think about today. The very word Sabbath is a quaint-sounding word. It seems to call up a horse-and-buggy relic of another era when people didn't have anything to do on a Sunday except sit on the front porch in a rocker and watch the cows graze. And you say, well, do you really expect me to step out of the world of today when there's a boss that wants 65 hours a week of my time and has deadlines I can't possibly even complete? five or six days a week, when I have the youth soccer team that's no respecter of days or this or that, or I have no time to shop the other days, how do we do this? 
How do we respect the Lord's day? I'm going to give you what I call ABCs, pretty simple things today, and they literally are A, B, and C. A day appointed, a day with boundaries, and a day to celebrate. Let's think about those things this morning. A day is appointed by the Lord, one in seven. Let me remind you, when the Lord says, remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy, he's saying, set it apart. It's different. It's unique. It's for special use, just as his name is set apart. In the previous commandment, the third, last week the message was entitled, Holy is your name, hallowed be thy name. Your name is special, O God. We don't drag your name through the dust. We don't use it for common purposes. God's day, time for God, is special in the sense that it deserves and needs to have a red circle on our calendar as reserved time for special use. You all have ways of keeping track of appointments, whether it be as simple as the dentist or meeting with a client or whatever it is that your life is calling you to do. You have uh, phones that allow you to do this electronically or day timers or whatever in which you enter appointments. And you say, this time is now for this purpose. I will not accept other appointments or other obligations for that particular time. Well, God is saying here in the fourth and last of the commandments that deal specifically with how we worship, because you'll see a turning next time as we go to the fifth into how we relate to the world and to people. But the first four are how we relate to God. And he says, one of the ways you relate to me is to take certain time and isolate it and declare it to be for my purposes, for knowing me, because you cannot know me and praise me and truly learn my ways and become dependent on me if I'm something you're always just glancing off or accomplishing as you're in a rush to do something else. I think of certain tasks that are always done on the fly in my life. One of them that comes to mind is picking up dry cleaning. You know, uh, we usually seem to take dry cleaning to the establishment on Monday, and typically they'll say, okay, you can get it after 5 on Thursday. And I'll think, good, okay, let's see, 5 o'clock Thursday, on the way home, I'll get it. Well, I always forget it, so I don't get it on Thursday, and maybe I forget it again Friday, and by the next Tuesday, I'm still trying to find a 15-minute slot to shoot over to the dry cleaners, grab the dry cleaning on my way home. Is that kind of scheduling a way I'm going to meet with God? Can I, by that method, do what the Bible calls waiting upon the Lord? Giving Him quality time to cultivate a relationship, to listen for Him, to bring Him praise, to study His Word. You know, there's an easy way to tell other people that you don't value something. Just say, I don't have time for that. And either you're meaning that literally, I will not spend any of my precious time on that activity, or I just don't value that. That's what you're saying. And conversely, isn't one of the great ways you can compliment a person is to say, I will always have time for you. Call me any time of the day or night. I'll be there for you. You're always on my calendar. Well, that's what the Lord God who made you is asking. 
for you to say, put him on, his, on your calendar. Let him stake out a claim on your time and make that time sacred to him. It's not saying one hour a week. It's saying a day in a week should be ordered in different ways than all the other days. And he has a right to claim this. Now notice that the commandment says, remember the Sabbath. You don't remember something if this is your first introduction to it. You remember something if you've encountered it before. And that, it seems to me, is a bit of a reminder here that the Sabbath did not originate in the law of Moses, in the commandments. It already existed. And verse 11 of our text makes that very clear. The Sabbath is what we call a creation ordinance, something that goes all the way back to creation. And the teaching is that God himself, in effect, set the pattern for this in resting. That's always an interesting thought. What did God have to rest for? Not because he was tired, surely. Not because he had applied for Social Security and said, you know, okay, I've had my career, I'm done. No, he had finished a certain phase of what he intended to do, and that was creating things out of nothing. He wasn't idle from that point on. We know he still ruled the universe in his providence. We know he was the Redeemer God who was working salvation. Jesus said later on, my father is working from that day till now. But it, wasn't, it was not the work of creating anymore. He rested from creating. He stopped. Now Thomas Watson, whose book about the commandments I've mentioned the last couple weeks, wrote this. Listen to his interesting words written a couple hundred years ago. Watson said, the sheer crowded business of weekdays makes us forgetful of God and our soul's benefits. The Sabbath brings the Lord afresh to our remembrance. The falling dust of this world clogs the wheels of our affections so they can hardly turn towards God. But Sabbath oils the wheels, and our frozen hearts melt before God's word, and the rust is filed off our graces. The Sabbath, said Thomas Watson, is a spiritual jubilee. A time appointed. A time that has to be deliberately taken seriously by God's people to meet with him, to know him, to listen to him, and to follow and praise him. Secondly, though, it's a day with boundaries set and you you would uh, see it as an appointment only if you somehow guard it with boundaries. Hedges or fences or lines must be drawn. I don't know of any place in America where you can be more visibly reminded of this than in Lancaster County as you drive about and you pass the farm lanes where they sell, you know, rhubarb and brooms and root beer and, and I don't know what else, you know, cauliflower all in the same sign. And under the sign it says, no Sunday sales. And you know what your Amish brethren are saying. We don't have commerce on God's day. Well, do we have any equivalent of that? Or is our evangelical Protestant way of doing things saying, as long as I get to church most of the time, I think I've satisfied what God wants with Sabbath observance. And I can spend the rest of the day doing anything I want. 
That seems to be what many people would be saying in how they practice the Lord's days. They've set very few boundaries. I know that people have uh, talked to me. One time I talked to a lady who actually said, well, I wouldn't go to the mall. I, I think we should stay out of stores on Sunday and discourage commerce. But she said, anyway, it's so great because now you can just shop online anyway. I thought, well, oh, so that's not commerce? That's not causing other people to work on the Lord's day? Why don't you just go to the mall? You're doing the same thing. The problem becomes when we start thinking about boundaries, immediately we, we start about, all right, what are we forbidding? What are we shutting off? And the tendency can easily become the idea that, all right, I'll make a list or I'll have some rules even if they're not written down, they'll be in my mind, of things I won't do. And as long as I can check those off regularly and say I don't do those things, I'm keeping the Sabbath. Well, it seemed that that was the primary approach that the Pharisees took in the New Testament. And you may know that they were the Bible students of the New Testament that Jesus always had fierce arguments with. And over this subject, because they criticized the disciples of Jesus for taking hands full of grain as they walked through a field to eat, which was, by the way, an allowable thing to do. And uh, they said, you're harvesting on the Sabbath. And Jesus' reply to them was basically, you don't know what you're talking about. Here were the Pharisees that had actually defined a very specific number. I don't know if it was written in a handbook or what, but the experts tell us that they had sat down and figured out 1,521 activities that were defined as work. Now, if you carried an armload of firewood in from the pile into your house to make a fire, that was definitely work forbidden on the Sabbath. If you had a fire going and you needed one stick to replenish it, you could put one stick on, but not an armload, because that's work. Amazingly, it seems that this list, I'm told, I haven't seen the list, But the experts that talk about these things say they would not rescue, the strictest Pharisee would not rescue a drowning man because that was work. They would not put out the fire of a house burning down because that was work. Now, doesn't it seem that somebody's lost the forest for the trees here? And indeed, Jesus said to them, no, you really don't get it. First of all, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. I command it. And secondly, he said, the Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. To go through some empty exercise like a hamster on a wheel saying, boy, it feels good to exercise. The Sabbath was made for man, for man's good, to benefit him. So Jesus is saying work is not excluded from Sabbath because work is evil or work is dishonorable. Quite the contrary. Work is very honorable. God wants us to work. He wants us to excel at our work, to do it very well, to be diligent. He despises the lazy and slothful person who won't earn his keep. But here's the problem. Physical toil and all the mental concerns over profit and loss and How will I meet this obligation and how will I solve this problem? All the things that works does to us tends to both mentally and spiritually drain us. It drains the inner man, whether you're keeping accounts or selling cars or doing 
heart surgery or whatever it is you do. Unceasing work saps spiritual vitality. And God says, look, six days a week you are consumers. You're consuming. You're spending and buying and doing all the things related, and that's all good. But I want you on one day to be consumed by me, to drink deep from my word, to rest in the assurance of knowing me, to be guided by my precepts, to be comforted. You see, the Ten Commandments were given to spiritually revive people whom God had already saved by grace. These people had been slaves, and not slaves for five years. Their great-grandfathers were slaves in it in Egypt. And they never had a day off. They never had a vacation. They had no labor union to negotiate for better conditions. They worked until they dropped. God was saying, in effect, you know what it is to be consumed by man and his toil. I want you to be refreshed regularly, weekly, in the knowledge of me. You need a Sabbath in which to do that. It's for your good. But you see, we just think the only way to do this then is to go back to the Pharisees and build our own set of rules. Okay, don't go to the mall, but shop online. Well, how silly. Legalism and negativism is not the approach to setting boundaries. Looking for the pleasure of God, seeking after the delight of the Lord in the knowledge of him as Isaiah talked about it, is what we're seeking to do. The poet Robert Frost said when a man builds a wall, he ought to ask what he is fencing out or fencing in. What's the boundary for? Just to sanctimoniously say, I didn't do that, or to say there's a positive purpose here, and I want to serve that positive purpose. Priority one, to praise my God and to join with his people around his preached word to make that a quality activity of the Lord's day. And then to seek the rest that rests our bodies and our minds. And if that means extra sleep, I think the Lord is pleased with that. There isn't some idea here that you're only observing the Sabbath if you're sitting in the non-church hours with a, in a straight-back chair with a Bible in your lap. What rests or brings recreation to us as people and to our God-honoring relationships like those of husband and wife and fathers, mothers, grandparents. These are relationships in which we develop our standing with other people and develop them spiritually and teach them, teach the next generation what it is to honor the Lord. And so whatever we do in those relationships makes God happy. You know, if you look for me to give you a list of rules on how to spend the day, I think you probably know from my previous dealing with this subject, I won't do it. What you need is an intention, and it should be a positive intention. This day belongs to the Lord. And that doesn't simply mean check off church, get in and out as fast as you can so you can go spend the day doing whatever you like. No. Spend the day worshiping and praising God, certainly in gathered worship, and then in many other ways that will do works of mercy, perhaps. 
What about that person who's been on your mind, who's sick or shut in, that relative you haven't had a chance to see during the week? That person's a phone call away. Use the Lord's day to minister. To simply say, I've been thinking about you and praying for you. I'm asking God to bless you today, and I have the opportunity to call you and wish you well. Boy, that means a lot to some people. I've given you sort of a general overall guideline more than once before. And I'll risk, I know I'm being repetitive, but I like this saying. Maybe you'll remember it if you hear it repeated enough times. If your ox, you have an ox in the old days and your ox fell in the ditch. The Bible certainly says get the ox out of the ditch whether it's the Sabbath or not. But the saying goes, if you have the same ox that keeps falling into the same ditch, every single Sabbath, you need to either get a new ox or fill in the ditch. And that's more than just a humorous thing. Think about it. It's speaking to things like a job that obliterates Sabbath for you. Maybe as a Christian, you need to take the risk of saying, I need another job. I can't serve the Lord and please him and observe his time if this job is going to constantly take away from worship. Now, there certainly are works we have to do, works of necessity that, are, that come as a requirement on the Lord's day. We have got to have firemen and police and people in our hospitals and so on, people in our military. There are, there are certainly exceptional things. You need to look for other ways to worship and recreate. I work on Sunday, all right? I need another day to relax and rest before the Lord. I can worship today, but I'm also wearing my body out on Sunday. And I can't get the same Sabbath perhaps that you do on the Lord's day. So there are ways we have to make decisions and be courageous and maybe be creative in our culture that is so aligned against us at every step. But we have to be willing to say, I will put some boundaries. I will draw some lines. And these things I will do to keep commerce and work out of the Lord's day and make the time what he wants it to be. And then thirdly, after appointing the day and boundaries around it, I'm suggesting it's a day of celebration. There's a very positive intent here, not just what are you not doing, but what are you celebrating? What joyful goal are you seeking on the Lord's day? Again, is it just to say, oh, I've been to church So get out of there as quick as I can, you know, change in the church bathroom and run so we can get to this other. Please, I'm not stepping on your toes. Those of you who have seen soccer uniforms going out our doors before, I'm not stepping on you. But what's your intention? Is your intention to celebrate the presence of God, to seek the Lord, to make that your paramount thing? Or is it to say, got that out of the way, now go have fun? Luke 24, 32 pictures a great Sabbath moment. On the first day of the week, the Sunday in which Jesus rose from the grave. You remember those two disciples who were walking on the road to Emmaus and they heard Jesus not knowing at first who he was, teach the scriptures. When he had disappeared from them, they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened to us his word? Shouldn't that be what we're seeking after when we come to worship? 
Do you ever think about praying before you get here? Praying on Saturday night. Lord, prepare a blessing. Prepare your people. Prepare me to hear your word, to yield to it, to bow before it. Prepare that preacher to be your vessel, to be your voice. Do you come thoughtfully? Do you come with a positive seeking and saying, I am going to meet with the Lord and rejoice in his presence? Certainly worship on the Lord's day should not be some dutiful obligation that you say, ah, got that out of the way. The more of God we experience, the more we desire to experience him. This isn't a solemn fast that we do together. It's a joyful feast of praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 84 says, better is one day in your courts, O Lord, than a thousand days spent elsewhere. And let me remind you as I close today that there's a future dimension to every Lord's day. We worship now on the first day of the week because that's what the church did. They wanted to put the resurrection right out front and say, now, this is the day of the Lord. Hebrews 4, verse 9 says, there yet remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. That reminds us that whatever we're doing on the Lord's day, we're going to do it better and fully in eternity. In fact, the way we're doing it now is such a poor foretaste of it that we, it will just as the folks say, blow our minds to find out what it's like in eternity. Colossians 2 says, these things are but a shadow of things yet to come, and the reality of them is in Christ. Our Sunday feast of praise and dependence on God, of seeking God and rejoicing in Christ, is but a foretaste of what eternity holds. In just a moment, we're going to sing John Newton's hymn, and he concluded so well, I think, with these lines. He said, day of all the week the best, emblem of eternal rest. Here we come thy name to praise. Let us feel thy presence near. May thy glory meet our eyes while we in thy house appear. Here afford us, Lord, a taste of our everlasting feast. Thus may all our Sabbaths prove till we join the church above. The Lord has given us a gift. It's his day. Treat it as his. Seek him. Rejoice in him. Celebrate the joy of knowing our God through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the gift of the Lord's day. We ask your forgiveness for how we have misused it, how we have argued about it, how we have thought it, We've satisfied it by not doing some things. May we be concerned above all of what we do and whom we seek and whom we bow before. Lord of the Sabbath, meet us as we set aside your day and rejoice in it. For Jesus' sake, amen.